According to LD Online and the University of Michigan, a staggering 5 to 10% of the American population of 14.5 to 43.5 million American kids and adults have dyslexia, a learning disability that makes it harder to read, write, and spell. When we address the needs of these deserving students and segment of our population, the question becomes, how far have we come and how far do we still need to go? Dr. Nathan Clemens is an associate professor of special education at the University of Texas. His research and teachings focus on improving instruction, intervention, and assessment for children with dyslexia and other forms of reading difficulties. Dr. Clemens joined me this week to have a comprehensive discussion about everything relating to dyslexia. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Dr. Clemens, if you're ready, I'll welcome you to the program, and I'm excited to uh, be with you today to learn all, all about your contributions in the field of special education. Thanks for making some time and for joining me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Thanks very much. It's, it's great to be here, Kevin. Thank you. So, Dr. Clemens, I know that your research focuses on the intervention, instruction, and assessment of uh, students that have uh, dyslexia and other forms of reading difficulties. So, I'm wondering if we can start today's conversation by you just outlining the great work that you do and what do you think uh, more work needs to be done in your field? Yeah, so my work, uh, like you said, focuses on students with reading difficulties, um, particularly dyslexia, word level reading difficulties. Um, I do, um, I focus mainly on uh, two areas. So students who have the word level difficulties, they're uh, having difficulty learning to read words in early grade levels. Um, so I'm interested in kids uh, with or at risk for word level reading disability in kindergarten, first and second grade uh, into, into third grade, sort of that early elementary period. Uh, but I'm also interested in um, issues around reading comprehension, um, particularly for students as they get into later elementary and middle and secondary grade levels too. So, uh, so those two primary domains were the reading difficulties and then reading comprehension. And when we look at uh, the development of ward reading skills in early uh, elementary school and education, 
And uh, the, diff the difficulties that may arise from that, I'm wondering if you could tell me about uh, where you think uh, the most progress has been made in the, that arena of your study. Mm -hmm. Sure, and, and around uh, word reading uh, acquisition and development, uh, certainly a lot of progress has been made in understanding uh, how kids learn to read words, um, how they become proficient at reading words over time. Um, you know, a lot of evidence has, has um, you know, indicated the roles of, of processes like phonological and phonemic awareness. And that refers to our ability to perceive the sound structure of language, to perceive that, that words are made up of a series of sounds. Uh, the words we hear, you know, on a speech basis uh, can be segmented by those individual sounds, or we can take individual sounds and blend them together to form a whole word. Uh, and that insight is important for a developing reader because it allows them then to connect those sounds to printed letters. Um, they learn to connect a letter C with a K sound, a letter A with an A sound, and a T with a T. And they can use that information then to sort of crack the alphabetic code, so to speak. They can use it, learn to use that information to decode or sound out words. And then through expo exposure, through experience, through instruction and feedback, um, they over time start to consolidate those letters together so that they can then read cat as a whole unit. Um, the brain has this ability to, to uh, unitize and put information together in larger, larger units over time uh, so that they no longer have to sound out cat when seeing it, they just recognize it as cat and they can read it automatically. Um, and so, you know, there's a, a a lot of research that has, you know, uncovered that process um, and, and it points to the importance of explicit instruction in those areas, the importance of phonics instruction, the importance of directly teaching kids how to connect letters with sounds and how to use that information to read words and how important it is that they have exposure in reading uh, words and text with feedback from, uh, from a teacher to be able to start that process of, of reading acquisition. Absolutely, and I know that you also conduct research to better understand interventions and key practices and assessments that are effective in, in, the, in your field to make it most inclusive. So I'm wondering uh, if you can touch on some of the innovative solutions you've come up with during your course of study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, and certainly it wouldn't be uh, things that I've, I've contributed um, more, you know, what the, what the field has, has, um, has offered. And, um, you know, I think my, my contributions have been very, very small <laughs> to be even, uh, to be even um, optimistic about it. But, um, but I, I think, you know, the, those, those unique contributions that the, the science of reading has offered to the field is, you know, underscoring the importance of that direct instruction that, you know, just simply providing kids with books to read isn't sufficient. That, yes, we need to provide them with opportunities to read and we need to provide them with rich learning materials and, you know, interesting books, but they also need direct instruction in how to break the code, how to break the alphabetic code to read. Um, those kinds of things have been, have been key. Um, they're, they don't sound that exciting, you know. It's um, there haven't been really um, discoveries around technology or things that have have you know appreciably pushed things in that 
in that direction. It's more about you know the recognition of the importance of direct instruction, the importance of practice, the importance of feedback from from a skilled reader or a teacher or a parent um, in in making that process possible. Um, I think maybe you know where innovation perhaps is um, more of the conversation is perhaps around assessment and and knowing that you know we can we can identify reading difficulties early or we can identify risk for reading difficulties early. Um, you know, the understanding that skills like alphabetic knowledge, a, a student's ability to name letters by name or by sound in kindergarten, uh, their ability to, you know, access the phonemic structure of language that I spoke about before, uh, that we can assess fairly readily. Um, we can do, you can, you can conduct assessments in, in those areas pretty quickly and reliably. And, and that can tell us a lot about students that are at risk potentially for long-term reading difficulties. And when we know who's at risk, then we can, we can align intervention potentially uh, for students who, who may need it. And uh, Professor, uh, for myself, as you know, I have um, cerebral palsy and I use uh, a reading software like Kurzweil uh, and the read out loud function on word help me process information faster when it comes to reading comprehension and then like um because i know for myself if i see a lot of words uh, on a particular piece of paper or in a book i, I actually struggle to re read it at a faster pace so i use um reading uh, software to help me read and comprehend uh, information faster. So the question is, I'm wondering your thoughts on the advantages and disadvantages of the, that type of a software. Yeah, certainly a lot of advantages for, for students with reading difficulties, um, as well as, as in other situations, like you mentioned. Um, you know, it, uh, for times in which, um, you know, students are when students are expected to read to learn, so to speak. So, uh, as you as kids get into middle elementary school and beyond, uh, the expectation in school oftentimes is that students are reading to be able to learn and acquire new information, new vocabulary knowledge, new background information. For kids with reading difficulties, you know, dyslexia or, or reading comprehension difficulties, obviously that that poses significant challenges. And so um, software that uses text to speech uh, can be very helpful as a support um, and as a resource, especially as kids are studying for tests and or you know, needing to write a book report or things like that. Um, you don't want to let that necessarily replace. You'd still want to be working on, um, for students with reading difficulties, still working on improving their, their reading skills. Um, in addition to using those supports, uh, but those two can go hand in hand. You know, you could be simultaneously working to improve reading skills, giving them the, the skills to you know decode, read words, um, understand new vocabulary, while simultaneously providing support with things like text to speech um, that um, that would you know enable them provide them support in learning um, as they go go forward. Absolutely, and I'm. I also know that you work with uh, school administrators and parents to come up with uh, uh, solutions to help students with uh, reading uh, difficulties and dyslexia. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on the power of collaboration when we work to solve issues or problems that may arise 
arise in a child's reading uh, comprehension journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as in, as in most things, like you mentioned, co collaboration is is key. You know, you you learn. I mean, there's there's just so many benefits. You 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 collaborating around from a systemic standpoint. You know, what can schools do differently? How can they improve instruction? Um, having input from multiple stakeholders is essential. From the administrators, from the teachers, from the parents involved, um, support staff. Um, what, how can we best and most efficiently implement effective reading instruction in our school? You know, what kinds of things do we need to think about? What haven't we, what barriers haven't we addressed? Um, what um, characteristics of the instruction should we be thinking about? And that is all informed better when we have more voices and, and more diversity in the perspectives that are are, um, are providing input. And then if, if we're talking about decisions for individual students, um, then collaboration is essential there as well. You know, uh, hearing the, you know, the student themselves, you know, them, them being part of the process, then providing input on, you know, what works from a, a support standpoint, what's motivating, um, what's not motivating and what doesn't work. And, and that input from the student as well as the parents, teachers, administrators, um, that is, is key in develop, developing effective support plan. Uh, and Dr. Clement, I know that you're also a certified school psychologist. So I'm curious to ask you about the effects of the pandemic and, and how that has affected uh, the um, educational development of students who have dyslexia or other forms of uh, reading difficulties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's had a profound effect. Um, you know, schools have have done their best. Um, schools obviously have struggled through this, but have done have, have made extraordinary strides in doing what they can. And the schools that we've worked with, you know, the, the teachers have have done amazing things with with um, given the the challenges and the um, the hardships that they they've faced. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the schools have really they've you know, done amazing an amazing job um, you know, providing instruction when they can, but uh, they can only do so much. And they, they, they've, you know, made great strides into providing instruction for students from a general standpoint. Um, but then when providing supplemental support, that becomes more, even more difficult. And so for kids with reading difficulties or students with disabilities it becomes even more challenging to provide individualized support services, especially when Things have to be remote, and resources are spread thin through the pandemic. Um, assessment, individual, individualized evaluation has been stretched thin as well. You know, there are there were shortages of school psychologists to begin with pre-pandemic, but uh, but the pandemic has certainly exacerbated that as well. And so there's now extended wait times for evaluation um, for you know if students need to be evaluated for eligibility for special education. Now there's extended wait times because there's fewer school psychologists available. So, so it's, it's a crisis. Um, again, people have risen to the challenge in many ways and done extraordinary things, but, um, but still a lot, still a ways to go. And Dr. Clement, I'm curious to ask you if you had a message 
uh, for parents who may be uh, struggling with their child who uh, is diagnosed with a reading difficulty, or if you wanted to give them a, a message of inspiration, I wonder what you would say to them. Yeah, I think um, I think messages would be that anything's possible. You know, anyone can improve their reading skills regardless of how challenging it is. Given the right supports, um, given the right intervention and the right perspective on on reading, um, you know, the, that that progress, that growth is is possible. Um, I think I would also, you know, convey to parents that um, to you know, to access the science of reading. You know, the science of reading is a term that's been used quite a bit lately. Um, and there's a lot of resources out there now that have just become more and more available in the past few years um, that, that really clearly define what we know and what we don't know about how reading skills develop, um, how reading disabilities arise and how to effectively, how effectively intervene. And so, um, so use the science of reading to um, look for interventions that are focused on direct instruction, um, to uh, not be misled by uh, claims that you know, certain approaches might be more effective. If you see another message I'll give to parents is if you are you know, getting recommendations to focus on vision exercises or interventions focused on visual processing, um, it's likely that's not going to be as effective as directly teaching um, letter sound correspondence, decoding skills, and that sort of thing. Um, so be, be cautious about the things that are being recommended um, and um, look to the evidence base and look to the science of reading, which is more and more accessible these days than ever before. Absolutely. And Doctor, I'm curious to ask you about what has you most excited about the future of uh, reading comprehension and serving uh, these students to make sure that they have a pathway to prosperity eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what, what excites me the most is how much attention is being directed to it lately. Um, you know, we, we're seeing a, a revolution of sorts in um, in attention to the evidence base and attention to the science um, by not only the researchers, but also in the lay media. You know, we're seeing um, articles now that are, you know, recognizing how much the research evidence has been ignored in, in reading instruction over the years. And so we're seeing a resurgence of attention towards the evidence base, which is really exciting for me. Um, you know, I think there's more recognition of the need to improve reading instruction in schools, um, not only from basic reading levels, but also how we're teaching and how we're reinforcing reading comprehension for students. From a reading, comprehens reading comprehension standpoint, what also really excites me is a renewed recognition of the importance of knowledge and language that goes into reading comprehension. That um, it's not just about teaching kids strategies, strategies for comprehension that reading comprehension depends on having strong background knowledge, strong vocabulary knowledge to help them access the information in the text and connect that information with prior knowledge they have or other knowledge that they're learning across texts. So a lot of exciting things happening right now. Fantastic. And Professor, I'm curious to ask you about what, what's the best part about living in Texas, working at the University of Texas and just overall uh, living in that part of the country. 
Yeah, a lot of things. Um, it's it's great. We live in the Austin area, and so Austin is a fantastic city um, with with great great food, um, great tacos, <laughs> um, live music is 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 amazing here. Um, and working at the University of Texas is awesome. at Austin is great as well. Um, I'm in the Department of Special Education where I have. Uh, what I feel are the best colleagues in the world. In the world, <laughs> um, so I work with people like Sharon Vaughn and Greg Roberts and Sarah Powell and Chris Dobler, Jessica Tost, um, but uh, just amazing people that um, are my colleagues and friends, and, and I'm just inspired to be, you know, in in this place, um, and uh, really makes you know makes my job uh, great, so. <laughs> Absolutely, and hey, outside of work, I'm also curious to ask you, what do you like to do for fun? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things, I, I, I dabble in music here and there. Um, I do a little home recording with music. Um, uh, I, I paint a little bit on the side now and then. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I grew up doing things like skateboarding and snow and uh, surfing and snowboarding and that sort of thing. And I don't do too much anymore, but, um, but those well, are Well, I would hope not living in so. Texas, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but hopefully someday uh, we had a surf park here for a while. Um, and we have one, actually another one that's still open. Um, but, uh, but we do have access to, to things like that, but, um, but yeah, lots of different kinds of interests. So. Fantastic. Hey, Professor, if people want to uh, get connected with you, what's, uh, uh, or if they want to uh, know more about your work, how, what's the best way that they can do that if they're so inclined to do so? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my email, um, and um, I can, and you have it, Kevin, so you're, you're welcome to post it, uh, but it's nathan.clemens at austin, that's A-U-S-T-I-N, dot u texas that's just u t e x a s dot e d u uh, but that can be posted in link you're welcome to post that um, and also uh, my twitter uh, my twitter handle which is um, uh, dr nathan clemens so so at dr nathan clemens all one word um, so you're welcome to follow me there and direct message me through through twitter so Fantastic. Hey, Professor, I want to I commend you on the good work that you do in the field of reading comprehension and special ed education. I want to thank you for take, uh, taking the time to answer my questions and for joining me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Well, thank you, Kevin. No, I, I want to thank you for, for having me. And, um, you know, thanks to you for your channel, too. I, I got to check out some of your videos, and it's, it's really cool. I, I really like the the inspiration and, and positivity in, in the videos that you're doing. And so um, it's excellent work. So thank you. Mm -hmm.